listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. Welcome to episode 77 of Cinemental. How can you talk if you haven't got a brain? I don't know. But some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. Then why don't you kiss me like everybody else does? How about new? The thing is, Bob, it's not that I'm lazy. It's that I just don't care. I came here like this so you'll know my word of death is true. And that my word of life is then true. everyone and welcome to another episode of the movie podcast that we can only hope you enjoy listening to as much as we enjoy making. My name is Stephen Hovicki and as always I'm here with my co-host Hassan Godwin and Lathan Conger III. Our guest today is a writer and actor who has been seen on the recent ABC series Madoff and HBO's The Deuce. His most recent film appearances include Catfight and Drunk Parents. However, among many other roles, he may be best known for his appearances on nearly all the versions of the Law and Order franchise, his role in Spielberg's War of the Worlds, his role in HBO's classic prison series, Oz, as well as co-writing, co-starring, and one of my favorites, the 2001 horror classic, Session 9. Stephen Jevedin, welcome to Cinemental. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, I, my, my distinct pleasure. We were, we were connected up by a mutual friend and multiple appear on our show, Dean Haspiel. So that's, uh, that was a, a, fun, a fun connection. Yeah, yeah, definitely. When he told me... Uh, that he thought that you'd be a good guest on the show. And I made the connection to who you were. I was like, uh, yes, please. Cause, uh, as I said, I, as I've told you previously in our discussions, uh, I've, I've been championing session nine since the first time I saw it, I was not lucky enough to see it in the theater when it came out. Uh, I probably saw it the first mm-hmm. time when it was released on video. So, uh, ever since then, which I would guess was probably 2002 or something along those lines. For for Stephen's uh, second film pick, uh, we 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 move over uh, a country or two and uh, uh, to blow up. Sometimes, reality is the strangest fantasy of all. The films of Michelangelo Antonioni speak every language. This is his first in English. What's your name? by Michelangelo Antonioni with a running time of 111 minutes. A hot young fashion photographer in swinging 60s London accidentally photographs a murder in the background of one of his photos. Or does he? Steven? Yo. Blow up. Uh, well, yeah. So uh, I picked this one. Uh, I, I guess you, you, we discussed the fact that the, the other movie should be a guilty pleasure. 
I yeah. uh, and I refused to to accept the premise of a guilty pleasure. Um, <laughs> as as other guests have as well. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like if I like something, then fuck you. I like it. It's nothing nothing to be guilty about, you know. <laughs> um, but I, I, I then I had to have it actually explained to me. It's not like that, Stephen. It's like if other people think it's goofy, but you like it. I'm like, well, even that, I, I don't care what other people, I, you know, if I like a movie. There like you go. Movie. But um, it's still say fuck them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. yes. Stand up for your beliefs. God damn um but really i picked blow up uh because so to be cute you know 400 blows blow up um but also uh i hadn't seen the movie in a long time i think i saw it the first time maybe like 20 well maybe more than that like in high school or college uh and seen bits and pieces of it since but not full full on through but what I remember about it in terms of to, to, to keep going with the guilty pleasure thing is that that was more than 400 blows. It was a movie that had been teed up for me as a must see, you know, like I didn't, I, I knew that 400 blows was quote unquote, uh, an important movie in the, in, in the world, but I never, I didn't have that baggage going into that. Whereas, whereas blow up was like, Oh man, you know, like, you have to see blow up it's so cool you know that thing <laughs> so hip in the 60s you know that whole that whole and uh so when i saw it i, I remember thinking uh, all of those things you know it sort of delivered on that but re-watching it a couple of days ago because i realized oh geez i, I don't really remember much of it i realized that in fact yes i didn't remember much of the movie at all <laughs> and and found it to be uh, well lacking, and and in fact, much uh, I was I was pretty disappointed. It was just such a goofy movie, you know. It's it's so over over the top, and you know, like uh, Antonioni <laughs> is clearly beside himself uh, about you know being alive in 1966 you know and, and you know <laughs> yeah. and and that the whole swing in london thing and the premise is is just ridiculous you know like the fashion photographer man you know yeah and and and, and again in terms of direction i got to think david hemming was that, that whole sequence where he finds his publisher at the at the at the hit drug party <laughs> <laughs> and you know tells him about the body that he's discovered and shot of it and the, the guy's like well i'm not a photographer and and then hemming goes but i am you know you're like <laughs> okay and then he passes <laughs> right and then he just goes back in <laughs> you know he just he just goes to the bedroom and passes out and, does, and he gets you know and of course you know the mimes and you know who bookend the movie clearly yeah. the chaos of the worlds and man you know how are we going to deal with it old man it's going to be like <laughs> chaos man you know it's you know and it, all these sort of and, and unfortunately it's not antonioni's fault that all of those things became you know cliches in the 1970s and the 80s and then you know were completely you know, made fun of by, by Michael Myers, but 
Uh, so to your point, what you were saying earlier, Latham, about the way you approach a movie. I mean, I, I try to, whether, whether it's a movie or, or any sort of creative endeavor, work of art, book, poem, whatever, I try to judge it for what it is, you know, not compare to, I remember getting into a huge argument when True Lies came out. Well, a huge argument. I got into a discussion in a bar over a couple of beers with a friend of mine <laughs> who, had, who had been, he and a number of other people, especially in the indie film world, because that came like, I, I think that came out in 92, yep. 93. So, you know, the heyday of New York indie film. And so, you know, True Lies was, was definitely a, 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 a movie to criticize. You know, man, it's just bullshit Hollywood. It's, you know, racist and it's, you know, character development sucks. And, and I remember thinking, character development? the fuck it's like that's like watching 400 blows and and lamenting the fact that there aren't any good car chases you've clearly went and saw the wrong movie you know and and i'm not suggesting you know you can have your criticisms of true lies but i went to see it again just to see them blow the bridge up you know and and frankly, if I'm going to spend $15 and an hour and a half in a movie theater, I'm not going to really want to see, like, and, you know, I know this is probably blasphemy. I'm not going to want to see Annie Hall, um, right. you know, people just talking, you know, I'm not. Now, yeah. that's unfair because I think any movie is helped by a huge screen and a dark room. Yes. And, you know, there is something about going to a movie with other people that is deeply communal and and deeply primordial you know watching the flickering lights in the dark is is makes any movie better but yeah. that said you know uh, a harrier jet blowing up a, a bridge in the florida keys is going to look a lot better <laughs> you know 80 feet wide than than on your phone you know but um but back to but back to the blow up so i'm watching it and i'm going okay but the first hour is ostensibly unwatchable i'm like <laughs> you know, like first of all what the hell is going on it takes well, its, its time <laughs> well see this is what i was getting at earlier about like the the idea that unintentional ambiguity antonioni is just not as bright as he thinks he is i think or as profound <laughs> you know it's like because i just recently about a, six months ago saw solaris tarkovsky's solaris oh boy oh, oh boy oh now <laughs> that's a fucking great movie that's oh. extraordinary <laughs> and he what he does in that driving sequence you know where it just goes on and on and on yeah you know in in tarkovsky's picture which also speaking to you know, Hassan's like, there's, there's no payoff there. It's just, we just watch that thing. And where is this going? Oh, it's going nowhere. We just, uh, for some reason, watched five minutes or 10 minutes of, of, of a driving sequence. But what I loved about that was the same reason I love craft work. You know, wow. they will do a 10 minute long song and about three minutes in, or it's like the same thing with Moby Dick. It's like, we're going to talk about the ship and we're going to really talk about this ship you know <laughs> and, <clears throat> similarly with like you know craft work this song is going to go on and you're, you're a minute in you're like okay what's is it not going to change and then 
<laughs> then <laughs> are we still listening to it? You know, four minutes and it's like, this is still happening. And then something clicks or it doesn't, right? If it doesn't click, you're going to hate craft work. But if it clicks for you, <laughs> you realize that, oh my God, this is genius. Now, I don't think Antonioni, he hedged his bets. He didn't dive deep enough in those tonal moments in this movie to really pay off, you know, what it means to make a tonal movie. He was trying to kind of have it both ways. On the one hand, you know, if you've got the, the sexy girls and the sex in the 60s, and then there's like a detective novel, I mean, movie that pops up. And, and then you're supposed to- Sort go, of. Sort of, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, and, I, well, and, then, and then two girls show up that he just randomly says, I think I'm going to take a break. Yeah, well, exactly right. Yeah. Again, another overarching moment when the two girls show up for the first time and he like kicks them out and he goes, tomorrow, tomorrow. You know, and you're like, okay, why are you so so angry, man? I mean, what's going on? Why are you yelling, dude? Yeah. And like like, rants of completely unset up anger for the guy. Anyway. But again, yeah, so he's, you're up there in the park where he's taking the photos, and I guess that's supposed to be one of these tonal moments. The thing with the mimes at the end where it's almost like, oh, I get it. He's picking up the fake ball, and he throws it, and oh, yeah, man, I'm sure this is means something. But <laughs> it, it all, like you said, it was like you said with the, the detective story, sort of a detective story. It's sort of a tonal thing. It's sort of you know, uh, hit double on uh, subtextual meanings, etc. It it just kind of doesn't deliver. And the only reason I like it is because, again, I was born in 1966. A lot of that stuff was still around in the 70s when I would go back to Europe. I love his outfit, you know, the white jeans and the big belt and the, the, I, the I've Oxford. worn that. Yeah, <clears throat> I've worn that outfit specifically <laughs> Because of him in that movie, I was like, that was really <laughs> and it's a cool look, and the whole movie looks really cool. And it, 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 you know, it's it's kind of also a nostalgia trip for me, but it certainly doesn't come close to, in my opinion, having the emotional resonance and the the wallop of say four hundred blows, which, you know, like like you said, there there were no payoffs in the four hundred blows. They, you know, they set up this thing by him catching his mother cheating on his stepfather and in a in a quote-unquote hollywood movie that gets paid off you know right that yeah. there's something everything gets paid off in a hollywood movie and that can become as nice as that is right and you know the whole adage you know if you show a gun in the first act you better pay it off in the third yeah that can also be stultifying and and you know from a storyteller standpoint it, it's very limiting right because that's not how life works and it's also not particularly fun to have to do that math at the end of the you know at the end of the second act or whenever you're going to pay it off but but it can actually as a, as a i think as, as a movie viewer it, it can be very satisfying right everything gets paid off at the end and we go home happy right? yeah nice nice neat bow. when <clears throat> 
when done well, when done correctly, it yeah, can of be course. Well, rewarding. I think, yeah. I think, Hassan, I think you can say that about everything, right? And this is my point with 400 blows is like this idea of not necessarily paying something off and being ambiguous to make a greater point about the human condition. You know, actually, I have something speaking, the only research I did on this for this <laughs> podcast. Uh, so, the American maestro, we're talking about you know, Orson Welles, who did not care for Antonioni. <laughs> the American maestro was judgmental of other illustrious European filmmakers as well, including Antonioni and Mar Bergman. He famously said, and this is interesting because this is, so this is the late 60s, I think, early 70s, where this is being said, uh, probably early 70s. But I think this exact, this time period, right, then 20 years later informs the, the indie filmmaking of New York, uh, I mean, or the indie filmmaking of the United States. Okay, uh, so he famous, Wells famously said, according to a young American film critic, one of the greatest, great discoveries of our age is the value of boredom as an artistic subject. If that <laughs> is the case, Michelangelo Antonioni deserves to be counted as a pioneer and founding father. Oh, <laughs> and, while Bergman works works were worshipped by film geniuses like Andrei Tarkovsky, Wells never felt drawn to their philosophical and literary nature. He confessed, "I share neither his interests nor his obsessions. He's far from he's far more foreign to me than the Japanese." Anyway, oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, distinct. yeah, and and frankly, I don't disagree with any of that. I think, you know. Like to Hassan's point, you know, if it's wrapped up neatly, it can still be a boring movie, right? And and that has less to do sure. with something being wrapped up or being a tone piece. It has to do with um, something else completely. You know, the execution of of the of the work that I don't know how you quantify that, but it, it's either there or it isn't. You either you know. Like you don't have to like all of Orson Welles' movies, but certainly they 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 zip along. You know, they they, yeah. they, they <laughs> don't and 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 they also don't they are also wholly uh, unambiguous, you know, right. every one of his pictures. This is what it's about, and we're gonna say that again, and we're gonna end it <laughs> and say it again at the end. And and if you walk out of that movie confused. I don't, I, you know, I don't, I can't help you, you know. <clears throat> so, but <laughs> yeah, so that that's attention. exactly. So with the four hundred, I mean, with with blow up, it really was in terms of a guilty pleasure that I just wanted to see the fashion and the you know Varushka being Varushka and all that <laughs> overarching self importance of the late sixties, you know, that we still <laughs> unfortunately live with today with the with the baby boomer generation that won't stop taking itself seriously <laughs> <laughs> so so i had not seen this nor have i seen the remake with uh john travolta where oh, they, 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 right. they move well will they move the that's uh, blow out it's blow out that's, right and it's audio not video it's well, yeah, audio it's, it's it's sound not audio but it's the the concept is taken you know De Palma, oh. right? weirdly he made that then he made dress to kill i mean he basically remade a bunch of you know movies like i mean dress mm -hmm. to kill is this hitchcock movie you know right right so, right and it's interesting because I, I 
I hadn't, you know, because I'm not particularly bright. It took me about 20 years to put that together. I was like, oh my gosh, I just kept doing, you know. But anyway, go ahead. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so this, I, I've heard Latham speak of this film uh, before. Uh, right. He had said that he enjoyed it. Uh, and uh, so I was really looking forward to seeing this. And so I, you know, and honestly going into it, you know, I'm much like Hassan. I try not to do too much digging ahead of time, especially if it's a well-known film, just simply because usually there's so much out there. You can glean a lot without ever having, without ever watching the movie, you know, if you take the time. Yeah, I didn't, for example, I didn't go see, I, I was actively ignoring and then didn't go see Pulp Fiction for about seven months. So I could kind of go in as clean as I possible. Right, you know? right. Anyway, go on. And uh, so, so, uh, so yeah, I went into this, you know, and I know, obviously I know the, the core story about this guy who takes a picture and he sees something in the background. And so I thought this movie was essentially, like you said, that sort of, like you said, like for the first 45 minutes or an hour, it's just this guy living his fashion, crazy photographer life. And then all of a sudden living the, the dream, the, <laughs> the, the, the 60s right. Dream. And all of a sudden, then the thing with the photos happens. I'm like, all right, okay, here we go. And then it's like 20 minutes of him developing photos and looking <laughs> at them right. and reshooting them with other cameras. And he puts those up and looks at those. And he's, he seems really into it. And he's, he's obsessive about, about this, about what he thinks he's found. Uh, and then all of a sudden the two girls show up and he's like, break time. So, and then we get the giant, like, weird two-girl sex scene wrestling match in the purple paper for yeah. 10 minutes. And then they leave. And then he's like, huh, I think I'm going to go back and see if that body's still there. And then he just leaves, his, you know, and then he leaves. And then, obviously, he comes back and his place has been ransacked and whatnot. So, uh, but I, yeah, I just, I thought that there was going to be more of the mystery part of it than there actually was. Don't, don't forget that relatively well in the end completely pointless 10 minutes with Vanessa Redgrave in the in in the in the loft yes like you I I mean why I get it yeah talk about things not paid off right yeah it's like why are we watching this and why is nobody wearing a shirt what's that about you know it's just like (laughs) you know it's just distracting at one point you're like okay somebody put a fucking shirt on will you and and (laughs) And why are we only seeing his nipples, not hers? Yeah, What's going well, on? <laughs> yeah, and then it's like, you know, but what? But I got. I will say though, all that stuff in the art studio. Again, guilty pleasure part of me is hanging out in the city in New York in the Soho in the eighties. I, I spend a lot of time in places like that. You know, friends' parents' lofts in Soho or art. art right on. I, I knew a lot of the art scene. I would. I was very early on in like freshman year in high school, part of the art Soho art scene through parents, friends. And, uh, and even in the late eighties, friends of mine still there, there were those, those kind of places were still available to live in, in the, in the city, you know, those creaking floors and, and the, I loved all that stuff. I loved like yeah. the incredibly loud shoe Foley work yes. know, of those <laughs> like, <laughs> Like you can you can hear this guy coming blocks away, you know, <laughs> and I and I love that sort of stuff, and and that made it, you know, so I was paying attention to all the other stuff 
not really the the meat of the scene if you will do you know what i'm saying but anyway i'm sorry yeah yeah no no and and it was fun to see all that stuff don't get me wrong i i really enjoyed all of that setup work he did it just seems like he kept setting it up and kept setting it up Mm. and it's like okay here's here's we're now to like the main card of the story and then you find out that it's really you know while it's the it's the core it's the impetus for the film it almost seems like at the end it's only there to prove a point. And that was, I felt now, and I could be completely wrong with this, but you know, like you said, he got to the end he's, and he's watching and everybody's watching the mimes are watching the other mimes play tennis. And, you know, he goes and he picks up the imaginary ball and he throws it back. And then the camera just stays on him, but then you hear them playing actual tennis with an right. actual ball. And yeah, you then be- yeah. And you, and you then begin to wonder if this really isn't just them saying if just because no one else sees something doesn't make it any less real. You know, it's like these guys, these the mimes are playing okay. tennis with an imaginary I'm, ball, I'm, I'm, but I'm doing I'm doing like Cirque du Soleil in my head here. I'm doing right. Like and the fact that he was the only one who saw because... this murder stuff, but no one else did. So, it, you know, but that doesn't make it any less. You know, it's 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 him with the murder, but in opposite. In wow, that's not bad. Look at you, Mr. Smarty Pants. I, 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 I believe me, I, I just stumbled dumbly into that. But well, no, that that makes the whole movie a lot better for me all of a sudden. That's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I, 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 yeah, I don't mind that. I, think, I still don't like the mimes, though. They, they scared me the first time I saw them. Like, <laughs> now, but, well, I couldn't um, figure out what they were doing. And then until they finally showed that one shot of them by the by the people's car and him putting a dollar in their cup like they're just like some art troupe out collecting, you know, like a road drive or something. Yeah, I always thought they were supposed to be sort of a symbolic of the new protest generation, you know, okay. like the, the new crazy kids that are out there on the streets, you know, protesting this, that, and the other thing. And and he's still, even though he's swinging London, he's still kind of part of the straight world. Also, by the way, can somebody explain to me the, the conceit of the, the walkie-talkie, like like his oh, life- car phone kind of thing? <laughs> as, yeah. as a fur, is that urgent? But it's like, what? It's a fucking, you know, it's a photo yeah. shoot. What, what the hell? Yeah. It's, it's, you yeah, know. It's basically it, his it's answering just, service, but yeah. Sort Wilco of, I guess. Roger Wilco. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and using like, you know, like World War II radio terminology, you know, it's like, <laughs> this is your answering service. <laughs> Hassan, what are your thoughts on uh, Blow Up? Uh, as I said before, I don't know how I can follow Stephen uh, <laughs> roasting the movie the way he did, so... <laughs> um i'll do i'll do my best um just fire i did like i did like um i did like the 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 way (laughs) i did like the way it slowly kind of got into the the uh the the circumstance of the situation i did like the um the sequence at the park I did like the way that the all the the two figures were um vanessa redgrave and the and the murdered dude. I like the way they were filmed from far away. So it was always ambiguous as to exactly what was going on, what they were up to. You never got an up close look and anything, which is great because the movie doesn't give itself away. Right. And he's, 
you know, the, the fact that you never see the guy again after she catches, uh, she catches the dude taking pictures and then she, she runs over to him and tries to talk him out of, uh, out of the film. And then she tries to bite him and she, you know, now the thing is, and the term I always use is it gets up its own ass, you know, is, is the guy is so clever. He's so cheeky. He doesn't even realize that 90% of what's going on is just shit that just would not happen on a normal, you know, he's, he's, he's so above the moment that he doesn't realize like, wait a minute, dude, some girl just ran over to you and bit you and tried to steal your camera, you know, but he wants the fucker so bad that he's, you know, he's, he's thinking it's all a carnival as far as it, it just didn't, I don't know that and that weird, that, that weird propeller sequence <laughs> like what the fuck yeah. are you and then it has it has the nerve to come back later some other guys like hey did you order a propeller because i got a propeller here and it right. seems like you ordered this propeller and he's yeah. like yes i did order this propeller yeah. matter of fact like, I please did. yeah please bring the propeller inside so that we could see the propeller and then thank you for bringing the propeller you may now leave and then Renessa Redgrave is like, if I had a propeller, I would put the propeller on the ceiling, yeah. and that's what I would do with my <laughs> propeller. And you're, and I'm, I'm at this point, I'm trying so hard. I'm like, uh, no, 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 movie's gonna do something. I just gotta, I just gotta be loyal. I just gotta stick with the movie, and it's gonna, it's gonna pay off. And then it got to mimes, and then that's when I was like, I've been had. I've I've totally been mad. <laughs> I think it's a well. I I look. I do think that the film is intriguing. Um, no, you it don't. Sets up. I do. I'm, I don't lie. Uh, I, it sets up intrigue. I am. I do. I, I was interested in the in the main character and and the circumstances of his life. The, 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 there are little character beats, especially in the photo session in the very beginning, where he's kind of brutal with those girls. He's kind of you know. Uh, He's a little rough, especially with the girl. He he, he just kind of goes into the booth and just moves her leg, and she and almost whips her right off her feet. You know, it it kind of it's kind of leading to something. It it feels like it's gonna go somewhere. I don't mind the esoteric BS with him on his CB radio talking to this uh you know this his answering service, and I guess he his real estate who's connected to his real estate agent since he wanted to buy the girl's antique store and. And that whole, th- I I was fine with all of it. I was fine with them in in the in the park. I got all the way to the park. I got all the way to. I thought that that sequence was filmed really well because it was really creepy, and it was you know, and, and not knowing anything about it, I was like, okay, what's going to happen here? This is interesting. And then she tries to talk him out of the film, and she runs away. She runs away all alone. I did notice that personally. Like, oh, where's the guy? What happened to the guy? Why is she all by herself? And she's and she runs off, and they stick with her. The, the camera just stays with her as she runs. She gets further and further away. So that kind of is is a sort of it's a form of creepiness, you know. There's that was weird. And then he gets back to the to his life, and then the movie just starts to crawl a little bit, and then she cut. She shows up again, and she insists that. He give you know the that he give her the film, and then they you know they get into whatever they get into. Okay, that's all well and good. That's fine. He doesn't give her the film. He gives her the fake film. She leaves, and then those other two girls show up, and then there's that you like 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 you said yeah. there's that wrestling scene 
and then he starts to he starts to get a notion or a whim about the film and he goes and blows up the film and then he goes and finds a dead body and me knowing nothing about this like whoa dead body here we go here we go i knew if i stayed loyal this film would pay off somehow (laughs) now we got a dead body we got stuff happening and it just doesn't do anything (laughs) and then i got the i got the yardbirds so at least i got the yardbirds you know and i got uh I got Jimmy Page. I got a really young Jimmy Page and Jeff Beck. A very angry, and then, very angry Jeff Beck. Yeah, yeah. But Jeff <laughs> Beck is basically that was his whole career. That that was a that was a little snippet of his entire career. Yeah, yeah. Jeff beating the, you know, the one thing I'm watching this as as a musician. I'm like, there's no way he's hitting that amp with his headstock and he's still in tune. But that, I'll leave it alone. After, I'm like, there's no way you're still in tune, Jeff. I don't care. This is movie magic because you can't bash away a, 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 a anything with your guitar and still be in tune. Right. But fine. Um, but that's all right. That's a, that's neither here nor there. Listen, and and then at the end of the film, he runs into the mimes again, and they they decide to play tennis. Now, if I describe that to someone, if I said, all right, there's this, this movie <laughs> with this guy, and he kind of follows these people. He creepily stalks these two people in the in the in the park and keeps taking pictures of them. And then one of the guys, the guy disappears. The girl tries to get the camera from him, and then she runs away. And then later she comes back, and he sleeps with her. He gives her fake film. She leaves. Then two other girls come. He sleeps with them, and then he goes to see a yard bird show. And then he and then he finds a dead body. And then comes back and his his uh, his his uh, studio is trash. And at the end, he watches mimes play tennis, which is basically the film. Yeah, thanks a lot. <laughs> whoever whoever it is would be like, yeah, I'm not watching. <laughs> well, that so I don't. The, my favorite part of the whole live the live band scene too was the fact that they walk in there. There's only two. And no one's moving. No one's moving. Yeah. It, you know, it's welcome yeah. to the, the zombie zoo. And, you know, there's only two people in the back dancing together and nothing happens until he smashes the guitar and throws the pieces of it into the audience. Yeah, and then at they which, surge. At which point, like like he just thrown a bucket of fresh brains into the into the zombie pit. Uh, yeah. Then it's all of a sudden everyone goes batshit trying to steal the fucking broken pieces of the guitar. And somehow the song never ends. Yeah, well, <laughs> even though even though the lead guitarist is gone, <laughs> like the song is somehow continuing to go with the same intensity. But that's all right. That's fun. That's Hollywood has done that to music and musicians yeah. for for hundreds of years. So exactly. it's fine. It doesn't bother me. I I was like, this movie is taking all the goodwill I'm giving it because I'm like, it's going something is going to happen. Something is going to happen. We've just found a dead body. Something's going to happen. I'm, you know what? This is going to be one of those times. I'm not walking away from this. I'm, I'm going to stay. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going I'm to hold on to it all the way to the end. And just to and to pay me back for my due diligence, it gave me mimes playing tennis. You will get just like it, it, like it. It was like getting a finger from the director. You know, like hey. If you if you stuck with it all the way to here, here's a bunch of mimes for you. You yeah. can go fuck yourself. Um, I I look. I enjoyed the experience of watching this film. No, you didn't. I did. <laughs> I did. 
I totally enjoyed the experience. I don't, I didn't enjoy the film all that much, but I enjoyed like, I, I enjoyed a whole mind what the fuck moments while I was watching it. And so <laughs> I, like I will say, it, it's almost like he stumbled onto a movie set in another film where Vanessa Redgrave killed some guy. And I would have rather watched that film. But then he went back to his to his propeller and 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 to want to be, uh, uh, you know, uh, his propeller. film models. And 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 we just we we're not getting back to that. We don't care about who died. We don't care about that guy dying. You know, then he stumbles yeah. onto that movie set again and he finds the the you know, he finds the actor is, is on the ground, you know, staring at the ceiling, you know, and they're like, cut. What's this photographer doing in our film? <laughs> Get him out of the film so that we could finish our actual murder thriller that I would rather see as opposed to a guy who buys propellers for no reason and goes to zombie yardbird shows and stuff like that. It's it's just I would have rather I I, I was interested. It was weird because the, the the moment of the film where I was genuinely interested, I was really interested i was it was it was worse for me because when it started to to hint at it being right. something i was like really invested like here we go okay here it is yeah and then it just yeah. it just went away from it and went back into the the weird zombie like the the six the hipster 60s yeah. you know brochure that it was trying to be the, the living brochure that it was trying to be and it just i think I think that pissed me off more than than the mimes. You know, it's like, are you are you seriously not ever going to address this? You know, and you're not going to call the cops. And what is this about this this woman that you're seeing, who's obviously married to someone else? Then you end up wandering into her house while she's having sex with her husband and staring at them, and then walking <laughs> out the door. Like, what the what the fuck is that's, happening? <laughs> that's just sixties London. That's that you just accept that as sixties London, and yeah, that's what that is. That's <laughs> Yeah. clearly clearly yeah. um I, I i enjoyed the experience of watching this film i don't think i enjoyed the film though <laughs> i will say that, that's fair um, that's yeah fair. uh the one the one bit that i one of the tiny bits before latham goes that i did find that you'll appreciate uh hassan was that that sean connery turned down the lead in this film oh god he would have been because in his, in his words he couldn't understand what Antonioni was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so I would love to have heard the director pitch the be bitching this to, or, uh, you know, talking to Conry. <laughs> yeah, you're going to find this body. So Hassan would have turned down the role too, basically. Yeah, probably. Uh, so Lay, yeah, <laughs> hit, hit, hit me with your, uh, with your explanation. Well, I mean, you know, when I did, for my movie review book, when I saw this, I wrote, this is the kind of movie I would like to make one day. That's how much I liked it. And that's probably also why I've never made money making films because people <laughs> like Hassan won't go see it or they'll hate it <laughs> or, uh, you know, it, well, well, it won't make a lot of money. Yeah. Listen, this movie is a, an amalgamation of the pop culture of London of the time and I think a really, I mean, this, this is the main point I got out of it. And that was a lot of us are wrapped up in like this, our, our narcissistic lives of whatever we're doing. And the lead character in this is obviously the prime example. And there's all this stuff going around 
or that's happening all around us at all times. And we just, we never see it. We never pay attention to it either by way of, you know, by way of our own uh, self-centeredness or just not being aware or just focused on something we're really into like photography or whatever. And I think the point he's trying to make is sometimes these, there are conduits of these worlds that are, connected by way of circumstance or randomness and in the case of this movie it's this picture he takes and you know there's what did he capture at first he thought he you know maybe stopped a murder and then may then he realized there was a murder and then he finds out later you know you know the body is gone or whatever like he's not even like on the same wavelength of discovering what the point of all of this is and then even at the end with the mimes and the and the people playing tennis it's like he he just for a moment he like gets it and picks up the imaginary ball and tosses it to him and then you hear the ball and I just I don't know I just it connected with me in a way that I, I that we just we just don't see the world the way we're possibly meant to, and we miss a lot. And we by watching this movie, you're kind of experiencing all of what that means in kind of a disjointed way. And you're you know, like you said, there's points of annoyance in this where you're like, why didn't he do this? Why are you doing this now? Why are you being diverted by these girls? Why do you want to go have sex here? but now you're into this. And I think that's, that's how we are as human beings. We just bounce back and forth between what's important and what's, you know, suddenly we have a new thing we really want to do and we're distracted from something else and we miss something. And it's hard to, it, you know, people have said it's hard to convey in words what this movie is about. And I think, I think that's true. You can't really explain fully what he was going for here it's just the experience of what of how he put it together as a, a film and how the the images and the different scenes that make you feel a little weird or uncomfortable how they just mimic uh things we do in real life and how we handle them with our own brains i mean i i i adore the film i think it's just a fantastic uh exercise in in cinema like this is this is what cinema is all about is making something that's iconic and defines a time period and yet is you know the whole the whole thing with the picture and capturing the murder on the picture i don't know if that was ever done before in film i if it is i don't know when or where i mean that's like that's like the plot of how many mysteries and thrillers that's come after this sure. i mean that's 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 a really, you know, I can see by what Hassan's saying, like if, if he had ran with that, my goodness, what kind of a thriller could he have made? What kind of a important film in that respect he could have made, but he didn't care. He wanted to do his own thing. And I think that that's also cool and bold. Had so, he, ru had he run with it, it would have been a Polanski film. Yeah. I mean, well, a good Polanski film. Easy. Um, so let me ask you, let me ask you this. Do you think that this film there's a correlation between this film and what David Lynch does in a lot of his stuff. Uh, I think David Lynch is more, is being more ambiguous with his story 
And I think Antonioni is being is trying to make more points by being an, ambiguous. I don't think David Lynch has a lot of points to make about anything. I think he's <laughs> just parts of his brain are leaking out onto onto you know digital film or whatever. But I think Antonioni was making a point with this. I, and I are think you, he, are, are you making a point if you're being ambiguous? Are you I, trying to make a point if you're purposely being ambiguous? That's that's yeah, well, the, yeah, I, the point. If the point relates to ambiguity, absolutely. If the point <laughs> relates to point of view or. My point is being ambiguous. <laughs> well, the point is, well, it's kind of like uh, quantum physics. Um, you look at, you know, you look at something and you change what it is by looking at it. Um, so that can be, yeah, that can be your point, I think. And. I, you know, I don't even fully understand it. That's just my take on it. It just, the movie really resonated when I, when I watched it, when it got to the tennis scene, you know, a lot of people hate that ending and I, I loved it. I'm like, that's great. That's minimalistic and great. It's very minimalistic at times. That's why I like it too. I like minimalistic films. So. Yeah. I, I listen, I think. I, I, th- I actually think the, the movie would have worked better without the murder. I mean, it would have made that point without the murder. I think it, it seems to me that the murder in and of itself was was uh, like almost a, a moment of weakness. Yeah, it was. A, yeah, it was like it was a or or an attempt to compromise. It was like it was like he made an entire movie without Vanessa Redgrave or anything else. And someone said, "Hey, throw a murder in here or something," because <laughs> I don't I don't get what's going on. I really don't understand what's uh, happening. I think I think when we like films. We um, we never really question how we would make them different ourselves. I think it's when we don't like them or it bothers us. That's when we start to analyze what we would change in it. So I I do less of that now. I just this is his art. This is what he did. And maybe that would have been a better choice for a more straightforward film. But this this thing's all over the place. And and that's that's why I like it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying would this film have been better or would the film have been i'm saying would the point have been made maybe a little clearer if you as long as you know what the point is yeah as long as you know what the point right you're and you're deciding is being done better or worse yeah and my understanding i'm not i haven't i have made no decisions as to what the point is i'm going off of what others are saying the point is and i'm saying maybe that might have been conveyed better maybe if 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 i wasn't distracted by a murder, you know, Maybe. because Maybe. I'm thinking, hey, I just found a dead body and I'm not telling anybody about it. And I'm going to sleep with the person that probably murdered the guy. Well, he didn't that's actually sleep with her. That's how narcissistic he is. That's, that's what it, that's, he's literally, to him, that's just something that happened that day. And then he realizes after that, well, you know, that maybe I'm making a mistake, so. Yeah, but he knew that there was at least one other person involved because yeah. he saw the guy sneaking around the car. Well, that's true. I mean, that that's the thing, though, is it's just you, you. if you look at it as a logical progression of what mistakes were made by why didn't this character do this? That's fine. But you, people people forget this about films all the time, especially when they're like, oh, that wouldn't have happened. He would have done this. Real characters in films make mistakes or do things that don't make sense, and that makes them feel more real. It's it's when you're make you know yeah when you're doing a 
right? That's true. There is that. However, there's there's the other factor that doesn't always get calculated in. I'm here because you told me to be here to see this that you wanted me to see. Why did you tell me to be here to receive this information if you are then going to tell me that the information that you gave me is worthless? You're saying you as the moviegoer going to watch the movie? Right. Correct. There is, it, it doesn't mean that it's not art. It doesn't mean that the movie is obligated to do anything that, that I believe it is obligated to do because it's not. I mean, you're, now you're but talking. There, yeah. There is the reality of, well, maybe you didn't <clears throat> mean to say anything, but by doing this, you told me you had something to say. You're talking about a line there, Hassan, though, that the what is the responsibility of the artist in making a product or a movie? There's I mean, that can be debated. No, 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 that no. can be debated forever. I'm, I'm not saying that the artist is responsible, but I'm saying when the artist doesn't say anything or or obscures the point that they're trying to make, the inevitable will be the perhaps the audience being furious with the artist for wasting their time. Yeah. That's now, why the artist it doesn't it, then the artist doesn't have to care. Well I understand that. But well if the I artist mean, didn't care, then the artist wouldn't be making art. No, that's so not, there's, that's there's, not, not true. That's, that's not absolutely true. not true at all. No 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 the artist cares. That's just not true. No the artist uh, artist only uh, I'm not saying the artist doesn't you know you would not make something. art if you didn't care. You, the, the artist doesn't no, the care artist about does my not reaction. Have to care about his audience. The audience does not have to care about his audience. That that's. Not, I that's didn't not say true. that. I didn't say that the artist. You're putting words in my mouth. I didn't say the artist has to care. Okay, I said the artist has okay. to care about the art that the artist is making. Right, the artist made the art because the artist cares about whatever point the artist is trying to make, regardless of whether the audience gets it or not. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to care that anybody. Go ahead. No, I'm saying he does that. I mean, he's at some point he cares about the art he's making. I mean, you would mm-hmm. assume that's a basic assumption, but it ends there. There's no other responsibility after that. He doesn't have to apologize for conveying it wrong unless he wants to say, you know, I didn't make this the way I wanted to. He, you know, it, it's there's just. Yeah, but I never said anything about him having to apologize. Well, no, no. I'm just saying. If okay, well, uh, it, it sounded like you were coming up with ways that this would have been more enjoyable for you as a viewer. Would have been more enjoyable for me as a viewer if it actually made sense. That I will, I will, I will say without any, without any, uh, uh, without any reservation. However, I don't believe that the movie in and of itself was was obligated to make sense for me. Right. I'm just saying, if you if you were going to sit down and ask me exactly what would I have enjoyed, I would have enjoyed it making a little more sense. But I didn't. I don't think it it was required to make sense. the 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 point I'm making, or the question I'm asking, in in reality, is that well, wait a minute now. If the artist, if the point was not to make sense, or the point was to convey ambiguity, um, but the 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 method of conveyance was so um, ambiguous that I didn't even understand that he was trying to convey ambiguity, then was, was his purpose 
met? Did he did he accomplish the goal that he set out to accomplish? You know, and then on then on the other point I made, which was the goal. Well, there's that, right? So then, so then we can't even defend it. You can't condemn it or defend it because we have no idea what the purpose behind it was. So we, the only thing that's the only thing that's left is how we felt about it, right? And so, like I'm saying, if I was asked to be here to to witness this thing, and I and I was I was here and I witnessed it, and at the end of it, it seemed like the story you were trying to tell me wasn't really a story. Then I have every right to freak out and say that this was a complete waste of my time. Absolutely, you know. Absolutely. Um, but I, but I always wonder. I always wonder what the purpose was. Yeah. What was the purpose behind this? Well, that's, you know, that's Lost Highway by David Lynch. So I mean, that's that's uh, you know, there's 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 a lot of movies like that, and. I'm okay with not knowing if the art that got me there was interesting enough for me. If it wasn't interesting, yeah, then I'm not going to care what, what the person was saying. So it all comes down to whether you enjoyed the, enjoyed the ride or didn't enjoy the ride. And I love, I love this ride. There you go. Uh, see what you've done to our show, Steven. Good, good choice. <laughs> yeah. Thanks a lot, Steven. <laughs> No, I, I, I was one last thing I want to say about the, 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 the what you guys kind of were talking about. Um, if, for my money, it, I don't have like uh, my, my favorite example about this, uh, the sort of debate I think that had been going on <clears throat> is uh, Cezanne, who I was introduced to, I guess, my freshman year in high school by my, my art teacher. And I never cared for him. I, I yeah. Uh, I just, it doesn't move me, but over the years of being in the arts and, and I mean, I don't know if you know, I mean, but I started as a, I still am, but, and I started as a painter oh, I didn't know uh, yeah, and came to the film business kind of in that way. But um, uh, over the years, I mean, I, I fully respect Cezanne as the, figure he was in the world of modern art and western art and how it changed along obviously with others i still don't particularly like the work uh, i would i right. mean you know i just i there are other painters who i find more compelling who actually may not be as important and have had as 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 direct a, a, a change on on the art that they you know, part, part, participated in with this particular movie. I mean, like Antonioni's *The Passenger*, I think, is more successful. Uh, the, the problem I have with *Blow Up* is it, it simply doesn't fulfill. It makes a bunch of promises that I don't think it 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 does a great job. It doesn't do a terrible job, but it doesn't do a great job. You know, uh, fulfilling, fulfilling promises. The promises. Yeah. That said. You know, my the criticism I'd, I'd have made before of the picture is all basically bullshit criticism because it's <laughs> it's a guy, it's it's a criticism based on being alive in 2021 and looking back on 1966. Right. You know, isn't it goofy 
how happy they were with their white <laughs> jeans, you know, and and isn't it goofy that for some reason in the late 60s, everybody liked mimes, you know, I mean, or, or, or whatever. And that's not fair at all, you know, of me. I mean, but, uh, you know, I, I, but from this, the corollary of that is that's also why I do like the movie is that look into 1966, you know, and, and like the cars in, in, in 400 blows and, and the cars in this movie, you know, that, yeah. that, you know, and uh, I just, yeah, the, 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 problem, the problem I had with the movie was that I just, to your point, Latham, I, I see exactly what you're saying there and, the, and what the movie, sure. you know, tried to be about. Oh, I got distracted and by it too. <laughs> it, it's going to be, and that's where it becomes, personal uh judgment calls like you seem to be much more it was it was crystal clear for you what what the the picture was about whereas for me i now cool. i can see that and i can I, I can appreciate it more after hearing what you had to say about it um and it's just it just wasn't that crystal clear for me so that's why i got distracted by the other stuff you know but but that was it was very helpful to hear what you were saying there because obviously Hassan and I had had a more of a similar reaction to the picture than, than, than you did, but it was nice to hear that. So I might have to, you know, go back and rewatch it with, with that understanding of it. We've yeah. uh, you know, we've run across this multiple times, you know, and, and that's one of the things I really like about this show is somebody, will, somebody will come on with a, with a, with a movie and, you know, it's a movie that they really love and have seen numerous times mm -hmm. and whether or not it's something I've seen before or not, you know, or any of us have seen before, you know, we can we can come out of that thinking one thing. But once we hear three other people discuss it and bring up ideas that, you know, either either we missed or maybe either didn't understand mm -hmm. or somehow didn't didn't get um, it, 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 it's it's fun to be able to have those other viewpoints on the same material kind of put down right in front of you at one time. Cause like you said, like it, it opens up a whole new way of looking at some things sometimes. And that's one of the, one of the reasons I really like doing this show. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that kind, that kind of effect. So yeah, it's, well, it's fun talking about movies. Too. Well, there's always that, you know, just, it doesn't even matter what the movie is. Like you said, we can do a show on Caddyshack if you want. Um, but, uh, you know, it's funny you brought up Cezanne. I, I, you know, I was I was in my younger years. I was well versed in uh, art as well. I thought it was a direction I was going to take before I got into the world of construction. And uh, I, I've always been I just I just don't get French Impressionism. I just that's just been something I just it's never done anything for me. And, I, and I've always taken a lot of heat for it from from arty folks because they're like, oh, how can you not? you know, the yeah. color and the, and the style and bubble. I'm like, yeah, great. I go, it's just, it's just not my bag. It's just not my thing. Right. You know? Yeah. Just, and, and yeah. I prefer, I prefer the romanticists and, you know, older, you know, Michelangelo and Da Vinci stuff. So that's just, you know, that's just my an more analytical mind, I think. But anyway, I think we've, uh, I think we've done blow up to death uh, yeah. or done, done blown up. We blowed it on, up. We blowed it up. So we're going to mm -hmm. blow up the tubes today <laughs> normally we no, normally we would get the name of the segment is down the tubes and we normally do like a little shtick back and forth about you know having to go somewhere or do something and end up going down the tubes 
And again, the Internet is not something that you just dump something on. It's not a big truck. It's, it's a series of tubes. Oh, okay. But I think with our all of our blowing up today, I think we'll blow up. So next we'll do the blow-up posters, which uh, run a little bit wider gamut of uh, looks and styles. So we'll start with the U.S. poster, which is a retouched photograph. So it's it looks almost painted, but I think it's a photograph that's just been then had paint overs done to it because some of the background stuff is very photographic, and yet the two figures look like. Or maybe it was a black and white that somebody hand-colored. Maybe that was what was done. I don't know. It's hard to say, but it's got it's got a weird feel to it because it doesn't feel fully like a photograph, but it doesn't feel like a painted image either. It's kind of Do you see the dead body in the back? No. Well, there isn't one. <laughs> Best film of nineteen sixty six. Yeah. All by right. Who, by who? <laughs> yeah. Who said that? National Society of Film Critics. Oh, there you go. Those guys. <laughs> what are they now? Uh, so next is the uh, the Italian release. Uh, you know, and this is the this is the most well known image. Uh, they use this. Old, they use this a lot with repaints and very various other versions for this. Uh, mm. Different country releases. The next one, Belgium, is uh, the most odd. Uh, by far. Oh yeah. You know, I just I don't get the either the the choice of style for the poster or, you know, any of the because it doesn't necessarily other than the you know they're this sort of cartoony rendering of of the the well known image and then you sort of get like you know and then there's a woman holding a photo of a hand with a very tiny gun in it. Uh, it's, it's a it's, bad choice. It's a really strange artistic choice. Um, I don't the next two posters from Germany, I actually really like from an art standpoint. I just really like the um, the actual style choices. And I think that that's a, from a because of the time period. Uh, it's yeah. almost like the 50s and 60s illustration art that I just I really like that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And uh, both, both, both the uh, the the half sheet and the full sheet are both really cool. I like <laughs> this is after he was done. He's like, okay, I'm finished, and he just goes and you know sits on the couch like, okay, somebody bring me a cigarette. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's very amusing. Next is the Hungarian release. I like this one. Yeah, this um, is this is very much of this of the period that uh, sort of photo montage, almost a fumetti style. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, this is this is pretty cool. And uh, so next is the first Polish poster. Good try there, guys. Uh, I actually think this is actually pretty pretty on point, um, especially when you look at it smaller or for, well, from further away, because then you actually start to get a, a a good sense of the actual image. If you went to your kitchen right now, Lay, and looked at yeah, it from I there, it. I see it there. Yeah, it, it, the 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 design of it makes a lot more sense. Oh yeah. Uh, and same with the other one, the Poland, the second Polish poster. Although this one is a little bit more abstract, but less uh, less consistent than the first one. Yep. Further away you are, the the clearer things become. Maybe they're on to the theme of the movie. Oh, look at that! Look at Poland hitting it on the nail on the head for the first time ever on the show. 
I also really like this poster for the Spanish, this Spanish release poster. I really like the painting the other, or the, uh, this painted image. Gives the film away though. Sort of. Uh, it does a little bit. It did. It, it, well, again, it makes it look at like it's more murder mystery than it really <laughs> yeah, is. Yeah. The guy, the feet under the bush. <laughs> no. I mean, jeez. Uh, next is the Turkish poster. I like uh, Turkey was one of the few locations that they chose to put images inside the letters in the title on the poster. And I, and I kind of like that. Yeah. It almost sort of foretells a movie poster thing that they did a lot in the seventies with that. That's hiding images in the, in the letters of the title. So, yeah. Uh, Next is uh, Japanese again with a photographic uh, retouch. With that background color choice, uh, I just really like the. I really like that color choice for the for this image because I really think that this works really well, visually. Uh, next is the first artist piece I found, which is a uh, map of his apartment. Wow. <laughs> trying to see if there's something hidden in there. I don't see anything, but. No, well, the propeller's not there though. Well, it was in the garage where the uh, where the big studio was. So he didn't uh, didn't put the garage in. Um, next is a an artist piece by an artist who goes by the name Mal- Malias or Malleus, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, next is another artist piece by Sister Hyde. That's a good one. I like that one. Yeah, I like the like the font choices. I like everything about this one. Uh, next is a, a great piece by Tomer Hanuka. Oh, that's great! Yeah, yeah. It's good. Which, which, I think that one probably captures what Latham was saying in terms of the point of the movie very well. Yeah, it really yeah. does, doesn't it? Yeah. Yep, I agree. Yeah, it's very well formulated. It's good. And and yeah, pretty as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His color choices are great. So that's uh, that's posters for blow up, Stephen. Thank you so much for hanging around with us. And, thank you. Uh, even this with all great. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah it's been is, a lot of fun. Yeah, if you're you're absolutely welcome to come back. We can we can talk more about that later. And and yeah, but, uh, but Dustin, thank thanks again. I appreciate you uh, giving us three hours out of your Saturday afternoon. Thank you. Nice meeting you all. All right, take, take care, Stephen. Thank take you. Take care. Yep. Bye. Bye. All righty. Yeah, are, are you too? Are you too okay? What do you mean? All right. Oh, this dude? I just want to make sure you're all right. Spirited movie discussion. No. And I got the hat. (laughs) We usually agree. So to have something not agree is is refreshing once in a while. I don't even think we disagreed. Yeah, we don't really disagree. We just, I just, it resonated more with me than than with the son. So, um, yeah. But yeah, no, that was fun. He was he was fun to talk to. So. Yeah, nice guy. Thanks to Fesleyan Music. Please check out our website at sentimentalpod.com for all the poster images we discuss in our Down the Tube segments. And don't forget to download and subscribe to Sentimental wherever you enjoy your podcasts, or you can always listen to new episodes at sentimentalpod.com. Also, you can follow us on all major social media accounts at sentimentalpod. For Asan Godwin, Latham Conger III, Stephen Jevedin, and myself, we say thank you so much for listening. And as always, in the words of our 
friend and swinging <laughs> swing, photographer, swinging <laughs> photography sleuth Truman Burbank. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. <laughs> um. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> 